All right, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Dog Guitars, located at 141 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Gray Dog Guitars is an authorized tailor, Gretsch, guild, and reverend dealer with a friendly, knowledgeable staff and a welcoming environment. Whatever you are looking for, whether to buy, sell, or trade, Gray Dog Guitars has you covered. So stop by today and check out their great selection of new, used, and vintage gear and check them out at www.graydogguitars.com. Welcome to The Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Allison Shaw is the founder of Manic Monkey, a brand development and artist management firm which has worked with multiple companies and artists in the music, tech, and brand space. Allison also produces and talent buys for festivals, live streams, and events. Shaw got her start writing for MTV and VH1 and started Hyperactive Music Magazine that was carried in over 1,200 locations nationally. Shaw worked for TV personality Rachel Ray and created her music division, which included the famed RR Feedback Party at South by Southwest. Allison also headed up brand development for rock and roll inductees Public Enemy. If you'd like to learn more about Allison Shaw, please see our show notes for links to her social media accounts and website. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited for today's guest because, as I just told her, I was like, you're a mogul, which she is. And she promptly denied that because she's also humble and lovely. Um, welcome to the show, Ali Shaw. Or would you prefer to be Allison Shaw? Allie. That's what I figured, but you know, I like to ask these things. Hello, welcome. Thank you for being my Hi. guest. Do for me start at the beginning of your life. Start at where you where you were born and kind of like what your childhood was like. Nineteen ninety nine. Perfect. In- <laughs> that's that's when we all were born. Give or take a few years. Sure. Uh, I was born in New York, actually. Uh, that's how far back. Yes. Uh, back in New York. Uh, but we didn't stay there for long. Uh, we, uh, after my littlest, my, I, I'm the oldest of five. Wow. The, yeah. That I didn't the, know. Are you I all know. same, same mom and dad or blended family? Uh, you know, whoever knows, uh, <laughs> the seventies. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> I'd like to say yes. Sure. We'll just, we'll just assume. Yes. Let's go go in. Yes. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so there's five of us and, but, uh, it was just me and my two sisters were all kind of a year apart. And, uh, the ones that, uh, Lee was born, who's a few years younger than me, we moved and we moved around a lot. We ended up, you know, in a lot of states, we even ended up in Canada and the French province region. Was there a reason for that? Was was uh, there... you know, I, I by the time I was ten years old, I was absolutely convinced that we were on the run from the mafia. <laughs> is it is it wrong that I kind of wish that were true? Just for yeah, the sake yeah, of well, I don't wish it was true. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, not out of your safety. You know, I've been but looking I mean... over my shoulder yeah. forever. Um, <laughs> 
I real I, I you know figured out that that wasn't the case. But yeah, I couldn't figure out why we did move so much. It was a lot. We, it wasn't my parents were in the military. Nothing along those dads. My my dad was in real estate. They just like to move. I mean, we just we just never really stayed anywhere for long. I guess they were nomads that like to you know go discover the country and other countries. Was that fun for you, or was that like it a was not. taxing? <laughs> taxing, yeah. Yeah, no, growing up, you know, like this is a, you know, I mean, like when you move around a lot, I think as a lot of kids that did move around a lot, it's, it's hard to make friends and hard to, you know, like I don't have any childhood friends because we were never necessarily in one place for too long. Yeah. Um, But, but, you know, I think um, I did get to see a lot of the country and we get to experience a lot of of things. Um, And so for that, you know, I'm kind of, you know, happy about that part. Like as a kid, I, I mean, I really got to see a lot of things and yeah. we lived in some really amazing areas. And did you so, have a favorite kind of spot or era? Cause I, I, I hear often from people who move a lot. It's like, well, this chapter of my life was here, but then two years later, this chapter was there. And then, you know, there were four years over here. Did you have I a mean, favorite time? Yeah, their favorite, I mean, their favorite times in my head that I remember because I remember my, my friends and stuff from that time, particularly, um, and, and I, you know, but, but I think the favorite, my favorite place that we ever lived was in Sedona. Mm. Uh, oh, Arizona. Hey, hey. Arizona, you're not, you're a hop, skip and a jump. I know. That's why I'm trying to get you to come visit. Yeah, we, and I am, I am, I am. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> But, um, but Sedona for me, even at a young age, I think we first, our first time moving there was around seven or so. I can't remember exactly, but I always felt something different there, like a shift of energy, even at a young age. And, um, and then we moved back again, um, right when I was, uh, beginning high school, but then we left and went back to San Diego. We've been in San Diego and I moved back to hang out with my dad for a minute. I've got mad at my mom. I was like, I'm out. So your parents had split at this chapter, like when you were a kid, like seven, ten ish, or somewhere in there. You were had they had split. Uh yeah, they they got they split up in that yeah. between. That time, so yeah. that was part of your bouncing too, just kind of going, "Mom, I don't like you right now." <laughs> I was mostly with my mom, but at some point, right when I was about to start school, uh, high school, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I decided to go stay with my dad for a while. How did it go? obviously that experience, you know, that, that was an interesting experience. And I went home, <laughs> I went back to San Diego. <laughs> You're like, okay, I did that. I'm coming back, mom. <laughs> no, no, it was fine. It was fine. Um, but I think I also just missed, you know, San Diego as well. Um, you know, it was kind of I, more of camaraderie with me. Um, you know, I'm, I, you know, it was this, the typical surfer skateboarder, yeah. girl, eventually snowboarder, but, uh, you know, so I, I think I missed because I used to surf all the time. Yeah, I missed that. You can't do that in Arizona. So, <laughs> were you a creative kid? Were you a kid that did you love music then? Did you? Oh yeah. Did, By the time I was ten years old, I was a walking encyclopedia. Really? Uh, yeah. I, the, the, the best part about growing up in my family was that I grew up in a music, like a a music family. My mom used to be a backup singer for bands. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and and. Uh, and so we were, we always had music playing and my parents were completely different in their lives. So while my dad was like country Western, um, he also loved Billy Joel. 
I mean, uh, I'm on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some Billy they Joel. Actually, I mean, not the same time, but they actually went to the same high school, but not at the same time, but they grew up in the same area. Yeah. So, and I don't know, I guess I could ask my dad if he ever knew Billy Joel. My love, but um, the funniest story I ever had with Billy Joel was that my old boss, I used to work with Rachel Ray and her husband, and uh, and we would go uh, hang out, and, and her husband um, knew I, w- I was a fanatic about Billy Joel. And they became friends with Billy Joel at some point during the time I was Because you're Rachel that. Ray and you can. Right, Rachel Ray. And he, we're at dinner one night and he goes, Allie, Allie, he calls me over and goes, I want you to hear something. And he like literally plays me a voice message and it's from Billy Joel. And he did it on purpose to get a reaction out of me. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I will feed this need of yours. I will give you the reaction. <laughs> he did a lot of little things like that. He would love getting reactions. So did she actually. But it was, but I just, I, you know, so my love for Billy Joel came from my dad, but my love of classic rock came from my mom. Ah. You know, she was always playing all kinds of music. I think she wanted to be Stevie Nicks. Um, but we, don't we all on some level, don't we all? <laughs> but, um, but you know, that was kind of that beautiful thing. And so by the time I was 10, I knew almost everything there was. I mean, obviously I can't name the, you know, uh, uh, second guitarist on a, you know, the right. lead, you know <laughs> whatever, something or a lot, 10 years old, but you know, now I could probably do a lot better, but you know, it, it was, that was a thing. And, and so that was kind of my, somewhere along that line, I knew I kind of had to do something in music because I, I couldn't live without it. Every, there hasn't been a day that's gone by. Well, there's probably been a few days that music hasn't been in my life. Right. <laughs> and there has been days that have gone by, but, um, but you know, it's, it's always a part of me, you know, it's, and, yeah. uh, and so that's kind of, you know, there. Um, so when you got know. into like high school age, when you, you had this catalog of music in your mind, you had these influences yeah. coming from both sides. Were you the kid in high school that wanted to be in a band? Did you already have a natural affinity for promoting band? Like, how did you kind of integrate yourself? I did play the drums and I was in the band. I'm, you know, not a lot of people know that except the people I went to high school with. Uh, <laughs> I actually started playing the drums at 10. So that's when I got my first drum set. That's awesome. Very excited about that. Um, and so, but I never really played for, um, for bands per se. I mean, sure. We had a fun, fun couple of little things in school and, and stuff, but I never really, uh, played. I played mostly for myself. I, I didn't, I never had that calling. Like I, I need to be a musician and, and this and this, that wasn't what I wanted. I knew I wanted to be on the other side and I wanted to promote, you know, because, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to work on festivals Yes, and, so, and building out that structure, building up a community, uh, putting together this amazing lineup, um, you know, discoverable lineup for people. So it was something I wanted to do. And I started doing it in school and as well as DJing. I also knew I, I wanted to be a radio DJ too. And, um, so I started doing that, putting, you know, doing the DJs, put, I, I make, I'd spend hours making mixtapes because, you know, if anybody knows what a cassette tape was. That, <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. I, I would laugh with people even now all reference like being a kid and you had your A and B player, you know, and yeah, you'd well, have like the one tape. And then, even in the nineties, like you had to have that, you know, that tape player thing. Yeah. Um, even though we had CDs too, Yeah, but you, uh, it was, it was funner for me to do the tapes, right. but, um, but I would spend hours, you know, putting together tapes and, and of different playlists and, and playing them and mixing. I Oh, I learned how to mix too. As a so DJ, were you a seeker of music? Were you looking for more music? To all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. All the time. And I still do yeah. all the time. Um, but yeah, that was my, uh, that was kind of the, the cool thing that I did was do these remixes of songs back in the day too. Hell so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. Do the 12 inch remixes. So yeah, that was fun. And then afterwards I, um, I started school in San Diego and then I left and went to New Mexico. Uh, where I went to college. Okay, so I, I'm going to pause you right there. For you, okay. and I, I... Well, no, no, no. I just am curious because when college does come up, I'm curious if this was something that... And I ask this a lot of just people in the arts because some people do go to college, some people don't. For you, was it something that you wanted to do? Was it a family thing where your parents were like, you're going to go to college? Or... Absolutely not. Yeah. My parents did. <laughs> My parents... No, I wasn't the one... Like, I was not pushed to go to college. I think even though, um, I, you know, had almost straight A's and all that kind of stuff, mm. you know, school came kind of relatively easy for me. I could, you know, study for a test the morning of or the night before and do okay, do pretty good. Yeah. I was, I, I, you know, I had kind of, my mom said the memory of an elephant. Um, and I could just, you know, do that. So I mean like, but, but for some reason, I think because of my artsy creativeness, my parents didn't necessarily think college was where I was going to end up. Maybe right. I was going to do something else. My grandparents thought I should go to tech college because I set up their stereo once. Hey, we've got an idea here. <laughs> you go to tech college. Like, I think I was 13 or 14. Yeah. Tech school for you. So no, I went, I went, I pushed myself to, I mean, of course my mom wanted me to go and my, uh, my dad did, of course they were excited for me to go to college, you know, but it wasn't necessarily like push, 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 Ellie, you have to go to college. Right. Not like my brother, but, uh, was your brother, was your brother just more, did they feel he was more academic family that spoiled little brat? My brother, (laughs) he knows it anyway. He was the only boy. So of course, you know, you're the only boy you get a little, uh, you know, Attempt more wow. So out of five of you, there's four girls and one boy. Exactly. Oh yeah. He had it in the bag. He was he like, I get all the attention. I get all the whatever. Yeah. He got it all. I mean, our 16th birthdays were worlds apart. <laughs> like, you know, our curfews were worlds apart, you know, like our, you know, it was just, you know, I mean, I don't know. So anyway, but for me, I'd always wanted to go to college, uh, you know, no matter what, no matter what I was doing in my life, for some reason, I, I wanted to go to college. And at the time I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted, I wanted to go into psychology. Wow. So, I, and child psychology is where I wanted to go. And I knew that from kind of an early age, you that's know? Amazing. Um, and so that's why I went to university of New Mexico, because at the time they had the third best psychology program, uh, in the, in the country. Ah. The medical schools in the top 10 now they're, they're, they're becoming a little bit of more of a lead, leadish thing. But so I went there and, um, and, and I went to as much college as possible just to, you know, make my parents like, what the heck? No, <laughs> but, um, but I went out there, I ran track. I was also a track runner. So I, look I, at uh, you. This is why, yeah. this is why I say you're a mogul because I literally in the, Short amount of time I have known you, you are a, a person that wears all these hats very well. And it clearly started, you know, when you were a kid, like into college years. I mean, your formative years, it sounds like you've always naturally been this person that's like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I do all this well. well. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, like, if I, if I say I'm going to do it, I, I'm going to do it. Like, I, if I can put my head to it and I can grapple it, then I'm going to, I'm going to do it, you know, like, yeah. yeah that's what, so, so I was always fast as a kid, but I ended up, becoming a jumper 
Um, and so I ran, you know, when I went away to New Mexico, you know, I was, I was on the track team and I was also on the track team, at, at, you know, in high school and all that stuff and participated in a lot of meets and a lot of, uh, bigger thing, bigger, yeah. uh, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the, you know, all the big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't jump more than like, you know, two inches off the ground and I no, certainly don't I run fast sure. anywhere. I, so yeah, I don't know I the was, official term for the meets, but I know that, you know, you have the big, you know, arenas full yeah, of people. There's in the a tracks. lot of That's right. Yeah. There might be a tryout for Olympics. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But I mean, like there was, there was, um, and it was, it was, it was awesome because you got to be a part of this huge team. And we were, we not necessarily where we with the, like, you know, there was track and fields. So, I mean, track was seemed to be more of the long distance and field was us, the jumpers, the javelin throwers, got the hurdlers, the, the sprinters. So, I mean, like, at least I hope I'm not mixing that up. Anyway, so, but there was a big community there and I enjoyed it. And I went away to UNM to go run. And it just ended up staying there forever. So um, <laughs> I did. I, I fell in love with New Mexico. People do not understand it's how people a beautiful state. state. It's a desert, or or they don't even know it's in the United States. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I would tell people I lived in New Mexico, and they're like, "Oh my God, you speak English so well." <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that happens. Um, you're like, we have a balloon festival. Oh yeah. my God, we do. We have the balloon fiesta, but there's so much more magic to, yeah. to, to, uh, well, that's an Albuquerque to New Mexico than that, you know, and, and it's just rich, rich in traditions and culture, which is not really necessarily something I grew up in. Um, you know, so it was really cool to be integrated with that. I, I ended up dating people and, and being friends with people that were very rich in tradition there, Yeah. Um, you know, and just the simplicity of, of it. And let's face it, you know, the, the expense, the less expense. Yeah. You know, yeah. Same, <laughs> Compared to San Diego or New York or anywhere else. Yeah. You're right. talking. I mean, like literally the same house in, uh, in LA that could be $1.6 million might only cost you 350000 in Albuquerque to get the same stuff. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I mean, like if, 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 look, if I could go back and do what I do now from there, I totally would, you know, like. You might it's, be able to, but the COVID, I don't know. Everything seems to yeah, be. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not ideal. The only thing is it's not a hub. The, 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 right. the airport is not a hub, so right. I would have layover everywhere. When I when I started working for Rachel Ray, I did live in Albuquerque, and we were flying all the time and traveling, and I there, I can't tell you how many times I had to miss connections or even miss events oh my because gosh. I got stuck somewhere overnight or something. So for me, it's, it's pretty, as much as I travel, it's important for me to kind of live in a hub city. So let's go back to college though, because you're in New Mexico <laughs> and you're, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're in New Mexico, you're running, you're doing track. I'm running, right? I'm running. I'm running. And you're studying si- running, child running, psychology. Running, what? You're studying child psychology. I'm trying, well, psychology and child psychology. Okay. So I was pretty both. You know, there wasn't necessarily, yeah. And did, was that like the, I mean, was that the lane? Did it change? Did it, it how did it, it change? When did it change? It, you know, um, and, and, all, and, and here's the thing is that I, um, I did, I do have a degree in psychology. <laughs> <laughs> well, this so, is something our mutual friend told me about China Farrell, who's also China she won she's the best um she's also been on the podcast but when we were when i when she first introduced me to you she was like oh my gosh Allie has like eight degrees that was one of the things she told me she literally was like 
Ali has like all these degrees and all these things because she's good <laughs> at life. As much college as I could. Yeah. <laughs> so, but let's, so let's, you're here, you are this creative person. You're an athlete person. You're studying psychology. You got your degree in psychology. How did you maneuver and what came next in that collegiate experience? Uh, my next collegiate experience was... I ended up in communications. So business, so marketing and communications was kind of where I ended up in the next lane. Yeah. So I started taking communication classes, mass communications, um, along those lines and ended up with a, you know, degree in that as well. So <laughs> I love that. You're like, I mean, I just got a degree in that too, which yeah. both of these things also feed everything you do all the time anyway. Cause it's good. I mean, working with people constantly communicating right. with people constantly. So right. far, so far you're batting, you know, two and oh, oh and two uh, sports references are hard for me. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of changed lanes and went in that area. So communications, and it's kind of something I do now with, along with the lines, a lot of the marketing that I, I took too. Um, but I ended up moving into there, uh, into that lane because communications, you know, kind of encompasses everything here when, when it comes to, you know, even in, in entertainment and, right industry and stuff like that. And I learned a lot there. And while at the same time, I was also um, working at the lo- one of the local uh, radio stations, 90 for Rock, um, where it was actually owned by, it was a conglomerate owned, and they had about eight different stations there. Um, there was The Edge and some other stuff. Um, and that was, that was really, that oh, yeah. Was, was that just a part-time job that you were like, I might as well go do that because I love music and it's fun. I do. Yeah. I love doing it. I, I started overnight DJing, which was kind of really hard because I would do that and then have to go to a class at like seven forty-five in the morning, which yeah. was kind of miserable, uh, while also working several jobs. Cause I, you know, uh, uh, that was, it was, it was a really hard time. It was, a. It was were you putting fun. yourself through school? I did either. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So either I was on scholarship or, or you know, when it came to my own thing, uh, I was putting myself through school. So, yeah. You're badass. Badass, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, because that's a tall order. You know, I, I talk a lot with people through the podcast, but just in general, you know, I, I have my, I shouldn't call him out, but I kind of will. I have in-laws that have gone through school, that are in school and college and stuff. And, and they're like, man, I got 12 units and I'm working a job. And I was like, I had 22 units and three jobs. Like <laughs> just, you, there was a time when I think it just was, and I don't, I don't know if that's a generational thing oh, or if man. that's a, there it, was, please there go was ahead. Several- yeah, there was definitely a time during school that I was I was working. So not only was I, I don't know if I was still DJing at this point, but um, I was going to school full time um, and I was working a couple of jobs and I had started a music magazine. So that was kind of my first. Tell you know, me I, about that, because that's yeah, really that, exciting you know, stuff. Yeah, well, kind of, so, so I became a journalist somewhere in school. <laughs> I started um, <laughs> I'm not laughing at that because it's awesome. I'm laughing, but because of course you did. Because you're like, you know what else I should do? I should also write things and then work on getting it published because I don't have enough on my plate. Well, I was, so I wrote for the school newspaper, um, the Daily Lobo. Anyway, (laughs) every time now. Um, And so I I was doing all their music. Yeah. And so that was a lot of fun was we'd get, like, I'd get to go and interview bands that were coming on campus and, you know, kind of surrounding stuff. And that was really cool. And still, and then, um, I started, um, a music magazine, um, also in college, I started writing, I started writing for MTV as well. 
So now that sorry. begs the question, Allie, because there are going to be people listening to this going, well, how easy for you? Like, how did you at this you know, time in your life, how did you just go, I'm going to start writing for MTV. That is not just something you pull out of the sky. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, so here's what happened is actually there was a call for action from MTV for campuses. So they were looking for stringers to write. And Ah. at the time that I was in school, their, uh, their website was still really packed with news and interviews and stuff, you know? And I mean, even though they were kind of already slightly edging away from music videos, because, you know, reality shows were really big. uh, they still had a lot of news on there, a lot of interviews and stuff. So they were looking for stringers and I, you know, I, I, I got it. I got, I got in there and like you so do. started doing tons of interviews and not just with art, with artists coming to the campus, but artists that were playing around town. And so that became fun until that became more of a permanent, not permanent, but, but, but more, uh, they hired me, hired me. Right. More and full so time. Yeah. Well, not full time now. No. Uh, uh, it was, it was, you know, writing and stuff like that. So it wasn't, necessarily full-time because I was still in college, but yeah, it was, I was writing, but I was doing a lot of writing and interviewing and stuff. So, um, and that was fun. Um, and then, um, uh, and then I started a music magazine. And so, um, the first one, well, I'm going to pause you for one more second. I'm going to pick this apart just a little bit because again, well, again, because I love, I love the way your brain works. It's like, well, I'll just start a music magazine. Mm-hmm. Again, that does not just fall out of the sky. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> how did you take the concept and the idea and put that into actually turning into a music magazine? You know, it started in a class. And we, oh man, I can't remember the class exactly. Um, I think it was a women's studies class. <laughs> I believe it was. And we were talking about magazines and this was not a, you know, like people are going to be, like, Oh, she started a feminist magazine. It was not, it was a music magazine. I started with some of the girls in that class, uh, uh, Tammy apps who had, you know, amazing. And Danielle was our photographer and, and some of the other people in there, um, throwing out my name. I love it. I love it. Throwing it out. Anyway. Um, and we started this magazine and I think it was just called static. And we only had that one or two issues, <laughs> but we got some really great interviews, <laughs> like big interviews in that first one. I have it still. I still have a copy of Do that you? at my house. Yeah. How many and pages was it? Was it like a little small? Was it like? No, 20? it was like, no, 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 no. I think it was like 40, 50 pages, maybe. That's a big. solid yeah. magazine. That was solid. Yeah. Right? I and mean, then, for when you hear it of like, oh, some girls in a class and we got together and we did music, but you know, I'm thinking like 10 or 12. I mean, you guys, you pulled it out like a legit. Yeah, we, did it. we did it. We did yeah. it. And it was all paper and stuff like that. It looked like a college magazine, really. But um, the second one, I partnered up with another guy in town who um, seemed to have a uh, was more. He was also a very well-known photographer and also and had. Ooh, I can't remember the. I'm going to go blank on the name of his. I feel like I have it in my head, but we combined the two names together to put Static Planet. And that was the name of the second magazine. And that one was in color, part, most of it. And it was a little bit of a bigger production, but we only did the one together. And then afterwards, a few years went by. So here's what happened. So a few years went by, I kind of got out of it, you know, I had to work, you know, was needed, you know, to work and, and, you know, uh, and, uh, and an epiphany in 2000, you know, four, 
um, changed my life. A uh, whole, a whole episode, and I ended up starting another magazine. <laughs> what, was that, what was the epiphany? The ep- <laughs> you know what's really funny is because in current lights, in current light of what's going on, um, you know, I, and I'm not going to spend time, ta- you know, as much time talking about that because we could talk about this forever. But <laughs> I, I, I'm so, I mean, like you know, with what's happening right now in Boulder, Atlanta, and all these things, I'm totally saddened by all of this. Yeah. And it just brings me back to the fact that these issues haven't changed since my incident. And so, uh, especially Boulder. So in 2004, I was shot in an attempted robbery in Colorado. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I did not see that coming when I, that was it. that's it. Um, I was shot, I was shot by, it, uh, by, a, I was, uh, I was working for a restaurant change at the time and uh, managing, managing. And I was sent out to, I lived in Albuquerque, but I was sent out to uh, Colorado to help the new general manager of the store, uh, you know, fire everybody and make it red better. And unfortunately on the third day that I was there, uh, you know, some guy walked downstairs in the office, locked the door. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> it was, it turned out to be a former employee. I'd never met him before, but, um, but that, but, you know, in, in talking about regards of what's going on now, he, he was a convicted criminal. He was, he was a felon and he had just gone out of jail. I don't know, through two, three, four months before, um, and he was able to buy a gun legally. Oh my and I don't know. I still don't know how that could happen. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, like that was the, you know, and I know that we're going, we're going somewhere else with this and this is a fun music interview. No, no, no. But I, it's really about the journey and the story yeah. and, and the reality is that is beyond even life change. I mean, that is beyond an epiphany. That is truly life changing experience. And the fact that you're even alive to talk about it is a life changing yeah. experience. Well, you know? that's a whole different story. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's been long and complicated since then. Um, I, you know, I've had a, I've had a rough go. Um, and, uh, that first time around that was not pretty. Um, and, and it's, it's been a hard road, especially, you know, like, um, but I'm here, I I mean, I'm continuing to have surgeries even today, you know, not today, but you know, last year, but I mean like, you know, like, you know, it's, it's still, it wasn't a one and done. No, it's still currently a part of your life. It's still currently a part of my life. And it's something I'll always have to worry about because, you know, there's, there's other factors involved, but you know, for me, you know, it it changed my life though. You know, absolutely. I remember going to work every day and just, not knowing what I was doing. Like, why am I here? You're like, what am I doing? You know? And even, even though I was young, I was just like, you know, I'm wasting my time. You know, I would go in every day I'd have spin or rolling stone or, you know, one of those magazines and I'd be reading it and I'd be like, why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing this? Why am I not in the music industry? And that whole bullet, you know, kind of changed the course of my life, you know? And so I ended up, you know, I remember my roommate at the time um, was after because I after I got out of the I was in the hospital for quite a long time. And after I got out, um, I was probably depressed. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel as though that's a very reasonable response. I call me crazy. Yeah, I but hot, I was definitely a hot mess. I was getting ready to have another surgery. 
Um, and so I, uh, do you mind me asking? And if you don't want to answer, it's totally fine. But do you mind me asking where you were shot or what, how? I was shot in the lower left abdomen. Oh my gosh. Exactly where all your intestines. I was going to say, and you're lucky you didn't just bleed out and die right there. Well, the bullet didn't go through me. So it stayed in the, that was the problem was that it stayed in me and ricocheted through all my arteries and intestines. So unfortunately, (laughs) I mean, Allie, you're a wonder. You were a wonder to me. You were a wonder to me long before we had this conversation. But like, holy, but I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much pain and so many. I can see the surgeries. That makes so much sense now. Oh, there were so many. As of now, I've had 23 major surgeries, even a year and a few months ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, it was like I said, it's not. You know, it wasn't a one and done for me, you know, where I just got shot the one time and then I was better. It was, I, I was, I spent most of 2004, between 2004 and 2010 in, in the hospitals having surgeries. You know, I mean, I had to wear a steel brace on my leg for four years because I couldn't walk because, you know, I had multiple arteries ruptured in my, in my leg. Uh, and I don't want to go into the colostomy part. <laughs> Fair enough. I, you don't have to share that. If you don't have to share that, if you don't want, um, no, no but out. <laughs> no, but I mean, what a life transforming journey. I mean, there really is no simple way to say that this is the most impactful thing up until this point of your life that probably yeah, it wasn't actually. did change. It was not. No. What? To be fair, it wasn't even the worst thing that's happened to me. I'm, I, I'm, I want to know more. I just don't want to push where I don't want to push where I don't, I shouldn't push. It definitely push, but. had an impact on me, but it yeah. wasn't the most impactful thing that had ever happened to me. Um, you know, it did change the course of my life. It changed the way I looked at everything. It changed the way I thought about things, things yeah. that I thought were so important became petty, you know, and I realized that there were more things to be worried about and more things to, to bring to the forefront than things than these petty things that I used to worry about, right. you know? Um, but yes, but, but people used to ask me that all the time. Well, this is probably the most impactful or most important thing that's ever happened to you. And it wasn't. Wow. Um, well, do and you I mean, asking what is, what is something that, what is something that outweighs, you know, a, a lifelong, yeah. yeah. Actual, actual deaths. And have, unfortunately, I mean, I know this is a music interview, but we're getting deep here. We're no, 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 deep. it's really, really not. I mean, it's about a career I'd journey. Already, I'd already lost my mother and my littlest sister mm-hmm. by the time I got shot. And yeah. that, that impacted me more because that, that trauma and that, that, uh, that pain and that grief, it, that was a grief that not even me getting shot had a, could I ever even reach, right. you know? So, I mean, like, you know, that's, and it, it, it and it's the thing that's, you know, like I could move past the shooting and be like, I could just go on with my day, but that my sister, my mom will always be with me. That, yeah. that pain will always, even though it subsides a bit, it's always there, you know, where the shooting I can, I can marginalize and put it aside and say, okay, this happened, but I can't live every day. Like, oh my God, I got to worry about my next surgery right. or something or whatever is going to happen is going to happen. You know, I don't live my days like that, but you know, but like I said, there are, there are things that happened to me in my life that were, that were more you know, on a more of a monolith level than me getting shot, even though that was very important and it changed. No, but you're, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up only because it's, it says a lot to the human spirit, right? It's like when it happens to us and you go, listen, this is the thing that happened. Like you said, you can go, okay, I have surgeries that sucks that, I mean, it does. It just, there's no two ways around that. 
But loss is something that isn't tangible that you can go, I have to go in here and fix this. Or I have to, like, that's just something you live with, with no total resolve. It's just a matter of where you come to dealing with it. Right. And I can see, I can see how, to your point, like, yeah, that definitely outweighs the other because in in a different way. Yeah. You you know, like, I mean, I, I don't know how anybody would see it differently for me. I mean, like, you know, I would, I would go through surgery after surgery after surgery if I could have my mother and my sister back, you know, like, you know, that's, that's just how it is. I would take all the rest of whatever I've been through and I'm, and will continue to go through, you know, I would trade that, you know, in a second to just have them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I, I see that totally from, you know, um, but it was the shooting that made you at least at, or, or at that point go, I could be doing more that fills me. Why am I sitting at this desk not doing the things that I think I'd be really I, great well, at doing? Right, exactly. So that, I mean, well, before that, when you're talking about me being at work and going, why am I not doing this? Yeah. So after I got out of the hospital, I remember my mo- roommate um, always joked about the fact that, because she was the one that really motivated me a lot too. I think her and my friends got together and been like, we got to do something with Allie. <laughs> um, and she was just like, she told me at one time, she goes, you're just depressed sitting on the couch watching TV and eating potato chips. And I, I don't know how long that, that could have gone on for a month. I don't know. But I, first of all, I don't eat potato chips. And second, <laughs> and second of all, I, so what? <laughs> I was like, yo, give me a break. Yeah. But you know what happened was that all my friends got together and some of my closest friends and we started and they were like, let you love music. You used to be a journalist. You, you know, let's, you start those music magazines. Let's do another one. And we did. And my friends came in and we started a music magazine that ended up really going much bigger than I ever would have expected it to. We, we started a music magazine. I think the first issue was in 2004, end of 2004. Um, and, uh, and we, we got really lucky off the bat and we were doing some of the biggest, you know, I started that music magazine in New Mexico in the Southwest area, because I noticed that it seemed to me the Southwest area was getting the most, was the most neglected in terms of music discovery and, and industry. Like, I would see bands, very famous bands, like we have this thing, Route 66, and we have a really famous tattoo shop up there. And just sitting there, like hanging out for the day, getting a tattoo. And I'm like, oh my God, are you playing tonight or tomorrow night or something? Like, oh no, we don't play Albuquerque. I'm like, why? Yeah. They're like, the fans, they just don't, you know, come out and support. And they're not wrong. They weren't wrong, wrong. Um, so I decided I wanted to do something about that. And so I decided to make it that I would only focus at, at first on bands that played the Southwest. So it was like Colorado, it was, uh, New Mexico, it was Arizona, uh, 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 Austin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we even went down to San Diego and that's, yeah. we would literally, uh, um, I think Nevada too. Uh, we would literally get in the car and drive and distribute all these magazines ourselves too in the beginning. That's amazing. And, yeah. Or some, or I would have friends and ship it out to friends. We yeah. would help put it in all these stores and stuff like that. And eventually it became more in demand where people were, were more stores and stores, and, you know, were requesting the magazine. And so, um, and we how, did you, get, how did you fund it? Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> Bank of Valley. <laughs> Bank of Valley. I had taken every amount of uh, every cent that I had and I had um, invested it in this magazine. And so, um, you know, in, in, 
it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. We had so many writers. We had writers that are famous now. You know, we had, we started off with us. I mean, like we got to interview the most amazing bands, um, uh, you know, bands before they were big. Yeah. Uh, we were the first people to ever do a full interview story on Panic at the Disco. No way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we covered, who was the other band that we also covered before they got famous? There was a few of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was, a, there was actually a lot, but, we, but we, we, we did, we did, we did amazing bands and um, we had a, a bunch of, we, 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 the brand was ran from 2004 until 2007. We ended up going national, getting distributed in, I don't know, 1200 locations. Oh we gosh. were, yeah, we had some great advertising. I started a conference and a festival for it. So that started in 2006 and it was awesome because all these huge people from like Sub Pop and E Entertainment and CSEC and ASCAP and Warner and Red Light and all these people were coming out to speak at panels. And I was like amazed because this is amazing. These, you know, these bands are getting, you know, attention. And these are, and these industry people, there was about 60 industry people per, per, per year and maybe more. And um, had nothing to do that night but to go watch the bands play. And so we we turned everything we possibly could downtown Albuquerque into a venue. And we'd have about 200 bands playing. Um, That's and, incredible. Yeah. And so, um, I and mean, it was at the time, were you, did you, were you proud of yourself? Did you feel it? Did you see it? Did you, the most, it's the accomplishment I'm the proudest of the most. Yeah. It will always be that. That was my baby. I turned it into something and it led to everything I do today. Right. So I, um, I, I am curious though. No, I was going to say come like 2007 ish. What did you hit a point where you started to burn out? Did you sell the magazine? No, I started working with Rachel Ray in her, in her, you know, so I mean like (laughs) it wasn't that I started, I became the executive director for a really large music festival that happened in New Mexico. And, and that took up a lot of my time. And, and then I started working with Rachel Ray. Today's episode is brought to you by Guitar Lessons with Drew Hall. If you've ever wanted to start to learn guitar, or if you've been playing for years and want to raise your playing to the next level, contact Drew Hall for private lessons. Lessons are specially designed for each individual student that focus on your musical interests, goals, and even how you learn. All styles and skill levels are welcome. Lessons are also available over Skype. To book, please call 928 848 6784 or by email at drewhallguitarplayer at gmail.com. And uh, how did that? I love, I love, I love talking to you. I love that it's just so casual on your end because you've lived your life and you've done these things, yeah. but you're like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I just started working for Rachel Ray. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so I worked for their entertainment company. And so, um, uh, what had happened, how that happened was I remember getting a phone call and this is how it first started. I got a phone call from Rachel Ray herself and it was in 2007 and I had not a lot of inkling on who she was. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as big as, you know, she was gro- She was getting really big, but I didn't watch the cooking shows, uh, or, or whatever. And I, her name sounded familiar, but right. I wasn't really, fam- you know, didn't really you know, wasn't completely aware of her yet. And she said, hi, you know, this is, this is Rachel Ray. And I'm like, hi. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) how you doing? Rachel? I was was referred to you by a bunch of people. I was like, okay. 
And she said, look, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a, a manager for my husband's band. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, and we talked for a few minutes. Uh, I asked her to send me some music because I was managing bands already then too. And uh, send me some music and stuff like that. And, 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 uh, and, you know, I'll pay you back or whatever, like just casual conversation. Like I'd have with anybody asking for a band manager <laughs> for some odd reason, everybody that, because I own the magazine, because I had all the connections, like, you know, I'm meeting all these agents and publicists and labels and all these people, you know, are coming to the thing. They were like, well, you should manage me because you could get us a deal. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Worst, worst manager ever. But <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing anyway. Um, but, uh, but, it, but they were, you know, like, so I listened, uh, you know, like I, 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 um, somehow had them, John, John called me, we talked for a while and I said, look, you know, um, why don't you come down and do a, a, a big, you know, festival in Santa Fe, you know, we have a stage, we had a local stage. And I said, why don't you come down? I'll put you guys on, you know, like, you know, somebody, by that point I'd already, now I'd learned about who Rachel Ray was when I went and told a few people like, you don't know Rachel Ray. <laughs> and so she knows I, she knows I didn't either. I, told, I had to tell her. Anyway, she, 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 she full transparency. You called she me, and I was like, phone. "She knew yeah. on the phone." I was yeah. like, "You didn't know who I was." And so it started off with me managing the band, but it ended up becoming much bigger than that. Um, I ended up co-creating that South, the South by Southwest party. I was running their label. Uh, it, there was just a, a lot of different things that we were doing: booking bands. I've you decided know, you don't do things show. small. You don't do things small. Yeah. Well, that party, that, that Rachel Ray feedback party, that is still going on. We had our first one in 2008 and that was incredible. That was an incredible, like, you know, you know, that first going and, and then that fact that it just kept going and getting bigger and bigger. It was, it was amazing, you know, and it's, 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 it's a great party. And I always said to myself, as I was the one that I, um, I booked all the bands and I always said to myself, you know, I want to make it a mixture of, I never wanted the biggest bands there. You know, if at the time that we started, big, big bands weren't going yet. Right. And yeah. so, you know, our first party, we had like the stills and we had uh, the Ravenettes. We had, uh, I'm going to say it, holy fuck. That was fun. There's a video <laughs> about me announcing them. Rachel's like, don't say fuck, don't say fuck. I'm like, fuck. Anyway, um, so much fun. I think the band was going to get their name wrong because I was doing a teaser up to it. We had Scissors for Lefty. We had it was a really great. We had the Knox perform, and, my, and I'm and my, I'm friends with the guy that played Pedro and Napoleon Dynam. Am I Efren, Efren Ramirez? Amazing. He's a DJ too, so we had him come out and DJ as well. Now that, that first one was just so much fun, and you know her food is all free. She does these amazing recipes. We do these drinks. So it was like, you know, that, you know, that these, the, these fans could come in and discover music and we started getting bigger and bigger. You know, that next year we were at Maggie Mays and somehow the New York friggin' dolls fell into my lap. Like you are kidding me. I am not kidding you. Like I could, I will never forget going back to the team and saying, you're not going to believe this, but I think I got the dolls. <laughs> And it was amazing. It was amazing. And we had to, we had to move it. We, we were at first year was at the beauty bar. The second year was at Maggie Mays because it was, became too big for our own britches. Even when I showed up that, uh, um, in the morning for our party at Maggie Mays at like, I think I got there around nine, nine 30. Um, there was a line starting from the very front door all the way around the block to the end. And it was, it went right meeting right back up. And it was amazing. 
And that was such a great, great year with the dolls. We had Edward Sharp and the Manic Zeros. I we love had Eric them. Event. We had um, Ra Ra Riot. There was, uh, uh, there were so many bands that played. And then the, the next year we moved it to Stubbs. And it just, you know, grew and grew and grew. And it was, it was, it was amazing to be able to work on that each year. And I have to ask, because I do think with, with creative minded people, and, and I have asked you this already, but I'm going to ask again at this point where you like, Oh my gosh, look what I've done. Look what we've done. Look at what I've built. Like at any point, do you take in your own awesome? Um, anywhere, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what happened there with Rachel Ray and being able to create that with her? You know, like, I mean, me and her would be working on this and Charlie, Charlie are the publicist, you know, it was like, and Rosemary. Oh, Ro, I love Ro. Um, you know, we would all, we were like a team and, yeah. and Ro was our head, uh, president of our digital and all, and just amazing bringing in all the sponsorships and, and we would all work together. So it was, it was great to be part of this team and, and to kind of create this thing. And we had unsigned bands. And we had bigger bands, you know, like, so, I mean, like, it's amazing. you know, yeah. And we, then we started the feedback house where we put on, you know, all these other bands as well. Um, great bands. And so we, we became this day of, you know, one day where we had a party to all of a sudden we're doing four nights of feedback house plus the party. So it was, it was awesome. It was, and it was everywhere. It was I want to be hanging out. Let me tell it you that much. Great. It was great. And then 2012, I also started the, uh, the Southwest invasion quantum collective Southwest invasion with a few other people at Whole Foods. It was the, they were, we were the first time they ever let a party happen in the, in the entire duration of Southline. We were so like thrilled and it just was incredible. That first year we had Imagine Dragons, we had the Lumineers and this was like all right when they were about to break. It was, right. it was amazing. Capital City. I mean, that like it, it was just like, you know, it, it was, it was awesome to create that too. Yeah. Um, you can feel it. Was, it. Like, yeah, yeah, it was special because we were also helping raise money for the Hope Planet Foundation. So that was kind of what, you know, there's a whole feel-good thing about that as well, which is really awesome. And we're still doing it. You know, we would have had our party in 2020, but, you know, COVID. You think it'll be a 2022? Uh, may, I hope so. I mean, yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm assuming South by only back in 2022. Yeah. You know, I know that this year they did it online, so we'll, we can only see Time will tell. Talk to me about that for a second as a creative person who is like the brain, the brains to create these brain children into these amazing events and these parties and and combining, you know, culture and food and music and and just great people all in one space. How have you done through COVID? Uh... You know, it was it was hard at the very beginning because I watched all my events kind of fly out the window. That South by Party was heart crushing. We'd worked so hard on that, and we had such a great lineup and some great you know people on this. And and just like when I was watching that press conference on March sixth, where the mayor said that that South by was canceled, that's when I knew everything was going downhill. I immediately knew everything was going downhill. Um, and I knew we were heading for a lockdown, you know, like I, I knew that, you know, so, and, and my world did change. I was not uninfected by the pandemic. Like a lot of people, I, I lost a lot, lost a lot of work in, in my events. And, it, and so it's hard. It's hard for a while, but you know, like, you know, you shift, you pivot. I started doing things, a couple things outside of music and then, and then now I'm just back into music. So, yeah. you know, doing, working on music tech, I do, you know, I do brand strategy and build out brands. So I'm, you know, work I'm in music tech and I also am still, uh, booking for events and festivals and I work with a live stream platform. So yeah. Tell me you about know. the live stream platform. 
oh, well, uh, the live stream platform is called Ursa Live. You know, we're, you know, in this, in the space, uh, in this, we're in the space. Um, and we are, we're a, a great a platform. Our technology is amazing. You know, we did, we could do, you know, we have, you, people can get on there and do traditional performances or they can do exclusive things like, you know, the day before your album drops or a single or video or something amazing, come on and do it first, you know, first come first, first look, you know, with us and, uh, and, uh, and people are doing all kinds of different things. We just had a rap class on there with a rapper. That's that was awesome. really fun. Did they uh, find you or did you find that? Yeah. Yeah. The, one of the founders of it is one of my close friends, She's also, she used to, she's also an artist manager and used to, you know, manage a bunch of bands too, and was working with the plus she'd been working with them. They were another reiteration before they moved into live streaming. Um, and we'd always said that we were going to find something to do together. So she knew as a talent buyer. And so she's like, you know, I got the platform. I want you to book for us, which I've been doing. Yeah. So yeah. as well as some strategy too, but yeah, but it's been great and fun and it's fun to see what the artists are doing we have some amazing artists and events coming up. And, um, and so, and one of the cool things about the platform too, is that we also donate a portion of the proceeds to a charity. And that comes from our side, not the artist side. That's super so, cool. And artists, I, I would imagine there are a lot of artists that find that to be a really unique and, and lovely draw. Because- oh, yeah, they love it. They love it. It's, it's a thing that kind of sets us apart a little bit. I mean, obviously there's a lot of other platforms out there and they all do their own different thing but that's kind of one of the things that we do and people like i said and also the meet and greets you can get in there and see your fans face to face hang out with them we can bring them up on stage with you you know we got a a lot of cool things yeah how was it for you learning um because you talked a lot about the brand strategy and booking and you know being a talent buyer going from a writer and a journalist into kind of this other arm of the same business. Was there a learning curve for you in that? Or did you just dive right in on that as well? I think I just dove right in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously I probably trained myself a little bit, you know, going through being a radio DJ and writing for the newspaper and MTV and other things, you know, like I think there was a bit of a, of a, of a learning curve for me asking as much advice as possible. Like, you know, I've been to so many conferences. I started off when I started speaking at conferences, I think my very first conference was in 2004. It was in, uh, I think November, December, 2004. And it was in Alma, Colorado, 13,000 feet above sea level. And it was called the South park music festival. And, um, and it was kind of my first foray really into the music world there. I'd never, I'd never been, you know, any, any conference or anything like that, uh, in this realm, I, you know, so, I mean, like that was my first thing there and, and getting, and I, and, you know, I ended up meeting my group of friends that I'd end up, you know, clicking with and still friends with today. Um, and it was, it was fun and, and it was awesome. And, um, and that was kind of my first, and then, and that would be, and by now, I think I've spoken at over oof, three, 400 plus conferences. Um, I literally year. thought you were going to say like, you know, 30 to 50. <laughs> oh no, 30 to 50 a year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I fly all over the world speaking on, con- I mean, I'm lucky and I, and I, I'll never forget the first time somebody paid for me. It was breakout West 2012. And it was the first time I really felt like I had arrived. Like they paid for me to come out um, and put me up and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it's the first time that, because I heard all my friends were like getting flown out and 
you know, maybe somebody bought and gave me a couple nights at a hotel, but I probably had to fly myself out, you know, and things like that. Or my friends were getting paid. I was like, oh my gosh, somebody paid. I was so excited. Seriously. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a conference in Canada, a roving conference. And I love that conference, but, um, so excited. And so, you know, um, you know, but it's, it's been amazing. And the one thing that it had done, you know, when I got shot, I, I thought I had all the time in the world to see the world, right? I thought there was so much time. I was so young. And I was like, oh, there's all the time. I've got all the time, you know, whatever. And I, you don't, you can't really think like that. You can't, um, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen tonight, tomorrow, in an hour from now. Right. You know, right. so uh, I, I had a lot of regrets and it was my will that kept me like, I was like, oh my God, you know, there was for kind of a few things that, you know, my, my thought was that I don't know that I'd ever truly, truly, truly with all my heart and soul been in love. You know, I hadn't had kids. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I, you know, I, I, I hadn't traveled the world. I'd only been to Canada and Mexico. And I was like, oh my gosh, cause I got bogged down with school and work. And afterwards, I just like that, even that first year after I got shot, I mean, literally a month after I got out of the hospital, I got on a plane and, or at the end of the year and went to, I think we went to Italy. Yeah. And I was like, that was my first time, like really being like far away. And it was in, insane, you know, and it wouldn't stop. Like the next year was Thailand, you know, it was just like, you know, I, I, it kept, you know, going on to where, you know, I, now I've been all over the world. I mean, yeah. Antarctica. Have but you, I mean, like, have you ever had to tell yourself to slow down a little? Yes. Just, yes. Yeah. 2000, I, I, I would have to say 2019 was a really bad year for me. I was exhausted. That 2019 was, was a year that I, it, it really kind of changed my outlook on a lot of things. Um, starting around, I think the first time it happened was April, was when I started feeling something weird with my leg, my left leg. And it felt like pins and needles, like it, it was asleep and it wouldn't go away. Um, and so, uh, I, the, the person I was dating, we, we lived together and I said, I think, I think I need to go to the hospital because, you know, I, I unfortunately, you know, get, get prone to things. And so we went down there and did some tests, but they couldn't find anything, but there was something there. And so it went away for a couple of months, two or three months. And then, it, and then I was here at Joshua tree at this very house that I'm sitting at right now. I know. I love that you're at Joshua tree right now. I'm yeah. like, that's a good view to be sitting at. Yeah. Wow. My God, the view that I'm looking at right now, the mountain in the back, it's my best, it's one of my best friends, Brenda's, Brenda's house. And I, I love her. And she gives me this opportunity to come down and relax and get away. She's at my house right now. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Do a house swap. <laughs> we're house swapping. So, um, so it was, I got up, we were in the living room and I got up to walk and I collapsed and I couldn't stand up. And so we were both like freaking out a little bit and I was able to get, um, uh, a doctor's appointment pretty much right away. And so they went in and did some more tests. And that's when they said, you know, it looks like there's some blood flow issues, but you need to go back to LA. And I had to wait for a couple of days because I couldn't move my leg. And so finally, when I was okay enough to drive, I went home to LA. Um, and my doctor got me in and it took, you know, obviously, you know, it took a, a bit, but they were able to finally pinpoint the fact that another artery had ruptured below my knee. That was my last artery below my knee. So I only have half an artery left in my left leg, which is, uh oh, scary. <laughs> but I, you know, it's not something I can, I can think about all the time. No. So, um, so I had to have surgery and, and, and even during the time that this was going on, this, you know, started like April, May, June, I didn't have surgery until December. 
Um, That's a and long so I, time to be living. With yeah, but they, it took them a while to figure it out. You know, you got to wait for insurance to prove everything. Right. Months could go by, and you know, and stuff. I was beginning to be able to walk less and less, and but I was still traveling. Well, 2019 was probably the year I've traveled the most. It was over a hundred and something thousand miles, um, and I was in different, you know, New hey, Zealand. Oh my gosh! And I'm here, and I'm there, and you know, like Portugal or wherever. You know, and all for all for for work for conferences, and and I couldn't walk, and it was miserable. And it finally, I finally said to myself, I got to tra- stop traveling as much. You know, like like I really did. It was like you know, um, kind of made me realize that you know I, I want to kind of limit how much I travel. And I think with COVID, um, not limit, but you know, not not as I don't need to go as much. And I think now with conferences. I think a lot of it will be online. I think, you know, they'll either do a mix of live and online conferences. So, you know, but I still love traveling. Absolutely. You know, it, um, you know, there are countries that I haven't seen in, in a continent or two that I haven't been to. Um, Antarctica, here I come. <laughs> um, you know, but, 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 um, but, it, but if anything, you know, I have gotten to do that. And I always think about that. If I had tapped out in 2004, these are things I would have never seen or experienced. I have experienced that massive, massive true love. You know, I've, I've, I've been in love with all my heart and my soul and I got, you know, we got married, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, 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 and tw- actually a couple of times, you know, <laughs> it, it happened for me with all my heart and soul a couple of times, but, you know, and I've had that experience, you know, and, um, uh, and I, you know, but, you know, so I think, you know, these life lessons, you know, I just, I, I kind of take it and, and look at everything as a lesson. Like that shooting was a lesson, you know, it, and, and, and I've learned a lot from it and I'm kind of taking it and moving on to where I am now, you know, yeah. and to, yeah, but you're, it brought me. You're incredible. You're absolutely incredible. Wow. May I ask you a few questions I ask all my guests? Sure. Because I, especially after the conversation and with what you've shared, I'm, I'm so intrigued and, and I can't wait to hear what you're going to, what your answers are. Having taken the journey you've taken and having done the shifts and the pivots, what's something you would tell your younger self? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I would tell my younger self to invest in Amazon in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that advice, but I mean, go back to December of 2019 and buy a bunch of GameStop, um, 2020, uh, you know, what would I tell myself, you know, um, gosh, it's a good question. You know, always, always believe in yourself is something that I would say. I was like, you know, is it, it was, you know, it was, it was kind of my motto, you know, like, you know, to always believe and believe that I could do anything. And that's what I would tell myself, my younger self is that you can do anything you can, you can do and be whoever you want to be, you know, and you will, you'll, you'll be everything that you want to be other than, you know, I didn't win an Academy Award at 10, but you know, I had my speech and everything. <laughs> I, love <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that advice though, because I, I think that's some place that most people that get stuck, I do think it's mostly because of ourselves. I would also tell myself to give back, you know, like I've, I've gotten so lucky and, and I'm not talking about financial success, but I'm talking about with everybody that everything that I've gotten to do and everything that I, I, I've, people I've met, I've met some of my, my idols, you know, and, and I've worked with just some of the most amazing people ever and the, and the, and the things that I've learned along the way. And some of my friendships that I have formed, 
you know, um, I, I would say also to pay it forward and, and to give back. And that's kind of what I spend a lot of my time doing now with the charity, with the, the thing. I'm also on the board of directors for two music non, or two nonprofits. One is Sweet Relief Musicians Fund. And then it was Charity Bomb, and one has everything to do with mental health awareness. Love it. And the other one is is about is also about mental health awareness, but helping musicians and in, in industry in crisis. And so we we did so many shows last, you know, and continue to do stuff. Uh, we have you know a bunch that that uh, we have a COVID nineteen fund that we opened up so that so that people that were musicians and in industry affected by the pandemic could get a grant. And we are constantly raising money through shows, through festivals and other things that we're, we're either booking ourselves or that other people are putting us on. Same thing with Charity Bomb. We do a lot of shows and then we have initiatives. Uh, mental health awareness and children is a big part of our thing. The, you know, the education behind that, you know, between PTSD, trauma, bullying, you know, all, all the things. Um, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And so, and, and even with my magazine, it was really important for me. So every, every, um, issue, I would donate a full page, page ad to a different charity. Wow. So, I love that. Yeah. So it was, it was, a, it, it's, it's always been important and to make sure that, and, and to make sure that you take care of people, you know, always, uh, I've always tried to be a very loyal person and a loyal friend and not, you know, you see, you know, things that happen. And I, and, and, and so, you know, I, I think that that's really important. That's what I would tell my younger self, you know, I love like it. I love it. people pay it, pay it forward. All of that is, is good advice. And I don't think it ever goes out of style to say, Hey, you know, um, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't limit yourself, let yourself go and discover, and then also give back as you're doing it. I think that is stellar and on point advice. It was one of the the things I really liked about, you know, when I work in in jobs is working with people who do that was Chuck D. I worked for public enemy for a while. My street crowd. I did. I headed up all their brand development and Chuck is a really, really giving guy. And he would do when I would bring him things on a charitable nature or things like that. He would, he, you know, he can't say yes to everything, but he would do a lot. He would definitely, you know, do a lot and, and helping youth, helping aspiring, you know, yeah. up and coming emerging artists and youth and stuff like that. Uh, it was something that was very important to him. And that was kind of the, one of the things that I've enjoyed also, like my, like, you know, work doing in my lifetime was working with him. That is such a perfect segue for my next question. Well done. (laughs) What would you say has been a career high and what would you say has been a career low for you? And it doesn't have to be exclusively the same thing. I mean, it just—it was my career high. I think I don't know that I could ever because that was me. That was my thing that I did. You know, like I have to say that I put this together. I did it with purpose. You know, and and I and everything that happened. You know, uh, you know that was amazing in those years that I had that. Um, I would have to say that that was probably my career high. Not doing not there's you know like people would say really not working for Rachel Ray or public enemy. I've been like, you know, when you have, when you get to do your own thing and it goes on for a while, you know, like it's amazing. It's like accomplishment and you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for others. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that was just for me, you know, like, you know, something I started, but it wasn't just for me. Right. And my career low, my career low, geez. You're like, uh, God, I don't know. Probably, <laughs> great. It's probably the same moment. It's probably when I had to end the magazine. Why that did you have to end the magazine? Only because I, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't take the time. Um, and 
I, for me, for that magazine to run well, I'd have to be there more and overlook the staff. And, and that I couldn't, because at this point now I was working with Rachel and her husband, and I was traveling too much. Um, and so it became a bur- it became hard. I, I kept the festival and the conference going for another year or two after the magazine, but, but that was my kind of my, my, my most heartbreaking. I have two actually. My most heartbreaking moment. I mean, it's not, these aren't necessarily career, career lows when I'm like, oh my God, I worked for so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, like I can't say, you know, I worked for that company, you know, or I worked for this, you know, something that happened, but my career high, you know, was definitely starting that magazine and my career low was ending it. And then, and then another, uh, I've had one other pain, painful moment in my life was when I managed a band um, that ended up a really great, great band. Um, that was that was a heartbreaking moment. If you're going to ask me what a heartbreaking moment in my career was, it was when that band broke up, and they broke up in 2011, I think. Um, and we were we had some huge things going on, and there was you know re, you know we got our we got our got a little defeated, and and they broke up, and I I that was a heartbreaking moment for me because we I was really close with all the band members, and we had so much going on for us, and and and. Um, and uh, I, I think I cried for like a week. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you get, I mean, especially all the other members were calling me crying. I mean, it was like it was a, it was a heartbreaking moment for all of us. We had really bonded, and and we were. I was so proud of all their accomplishments and everything that they had done. You know, we had, you know, we we scored the, one of the biggest commercials of a lifetime, and we had all these things, these labels and agents, and all these things happening for us, and then and and then just kind of you know, yeah. for, for reasons kind of ended. And that is heartbreaking because it, it, yeah. it's more about the connection and the relationships. You know, I mean, all the stuff that happens is incredible and that's what everybody is striving for. But when you are going through the thick of it and taking this art and this group of people and launching something and getting so close to it, and then for whatever reasons that be, it has to dissolve. I mean, yeah, it's just this loss. Yeah. It's another I mean, I don't want to any of the other bands that might be listening that I managed, but... <laughs> You know, I love well, you. I all. love you guys too. I love you all. <laughs> but there was something special here, and, and it was just uh, after what we'd all been through too. It was, it was just, you know, it was that moment, you know, like, and that was, you know, it, it, that was a hard moment for me. But I can't say that there's a career low because I've learned something from everything I've ever done. I can't say that I've worked for a company that I absolutely regretted it, you know, or I've done something that I absolutely regretted. That I don't have that. Um, because, you know, I, I take away, I try to take away as much as I can from everything that I've done, Yeah. but I can tell you some of my low points were, you know, yeah. shuttering the magazine or having the band break up or something along those lines. Yeah. I, that, I mean, makes perfect sense. I think the things that hit the deepest into your heart and spirit are going to be the things that are going to be your lowest points because they matter so yeah, much. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. What would you say is your definition of success and has that word changed for you through your journey in this creative environment? I would say my definition of success is feeling accomplished, right? Like you've done something, like you've made your mark on something. I don't think, again, I was never, I never got into this business to be, you know, to say, I'm going to make millions of dollars. I mean, that would have been nice, but I'm, gonna say, <laughs> Girl, I'm not going to turn it down, but I'm not turn it down, but. But I never got into that for that. And I think everybody that knows me knows that fact. It was never, it's never been about that. It was about putting, it was about doing something and feeling like I had, you know, before I, I hung my hat up for the day, I, I did all that I could do, you know, like that was, that was it. I've had, I've had very big moments in my life of accomplishments. I've done some 
amazing things, but success to me, success is, um, I don't know. Success to me is when people, you know, think of me for something. You're like, when I get referred to, to a company or somebody, you know, or, or somebody thinks of me for, you know, oh, we should get Allie, let's book our next festival, or we should get Allie, we're building out a brand and she's good at doing that. Let's get her. You know, when people refer me and stuff like that, that's kind of feels like success to me too. Like they feel like I'm somebody that they could recommend and that, and that feels pretty, pretty good. You know? I love it. Yeah. No, I so, love it because I, you know, it's so easy to say success is a dollar amount or success is a certain type of car or house or, you know, but the reality is, is, you know, when, when somebody is asking you for, it's a validation to that you're good at what you do. And, yeah. and the money and the things and the, those are all secondary to the fact that you have earned the position to say, I am good at what I do. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I believe that. I mean, like, I believe I have my skills. I believe I have my downfalls too, but I believe that I have certain skills and I think that, you know, there are certain things that I'm really good at and, and, I, and it's, it's, and it's good when other people can recognize that, you know, and say, Hey, Allie's your girl. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, so for all of you out there, well, that's perfect. Where should, for people who should, who should be going, Allie's our girl, where should they find you? Where should I have people, you know, interestingly, oh, not in a creepy way, creep out and stalk you, but like, where should they just look for you if they want to call or find you? Monkey, I have about, you know what? I, I gotta redo my website. I gotta get that back up. Um, you know, Manic, my company's name is Manic Monkey, M-A-N-I-C-M-O-N-K-E-E. I think if you Google me, um, you know, you can find me, hit me up on the Insta. I, that's my Instagram. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's many places to, you know, to find me, I think. I love it. Uh, we'll put them all yeah. up in the show notes. Huh? I said, we'll put them up in the show notes. I'll put your links up so that people can find you. I'll make it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, put in my links. Okay. I'll, put, yeah. I'll drop your links. Drop my links. Drop my links. <laughs> I love it. I adore you, Ali Shaw. You're so much fun to talk Thank to. Candace, thank you. And you have no shortage. I, I just, you need to come visit me and we need to all sit here and I need to dive in even more because I just know that there's a whole nother slew of stories coming. In China. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to bug you both until I get you out here. Yes. Well, Besides, I love we have My a music a- festival to plan out here, you know. Yes, let's do it. I'm on it. It's in the works. I'm calling you after this. <laughs> Right on. I love it. Let's do it. So we'll make it happen. But thank you for being my guest. I appreciate you, you. being open nice. and honest. I, I just, it was really nice to talk to you. It's, it's, it, you know, it's, you know, not, I love, I, I like that you, you are asking questions and I like to be able to, you know, like, I think it's really cool that we go from music and we go to these deeper subjects, you know, and it's kind of, cause I don't necessarily talk about it a lot, you know, and when I, you know, what I do, it's nice to be able to just like, talk about it in a way that it's um comes out in a in a way that you know maybe does something for people well i think i think right, control we- laws. do your gun control laws text your senators your legislators let's get better gun safety laws absolutely <laughs> well and also i think even even attached to all of that which is very important but i i think there is a a grand message when somebody shares a story like you have about so much purpose to living. And, you know, even though we come through so much heartache in other ways, like with your mom or your sister, and then having to have a gunshot into your body, like to know how much you've done in that epiphany of going, there's more I can do with my own spirit on this earth at this time in the lifetime that I have. And I'm going to go fucking do it. 
And I, I mean, like that's still out there for me. I feel like I haven't completely done everything I'm supposed to do. Of course not. So, There's always yeah. more. There's always more. Yeah. But I, I love your energy because I mean, I think you're such an inspiration to anybody listening that it's like really much to your own advice. It's like, you can do anything. So get up and go do it, you know? Go do it. Yeah. Just decide it's gonna. Yeah. And that's a message that for a lot of, for everybody out there, you know, I know this, this time, this last year has been rough, but, but know that you can, you can rise above and you can, you can be whoever you want to be, you know, you you just got to find that inner strength. I'm going to get all motivational speaker. I love it. If anybody should, it should be you for sure. I know. I don't know why I don't go on the road talking about motivational stuff. Well, that's why that's why we have you on here. That's right. There we go. We're going to, we're going to fit that into your, into your schedule in the coming year. This will be the catalyst. I love it. Love the word catalyst. Yes. Well, thank you for being. (laughs) Say that again and cut out. I love the the word conundrum. That's a great word. I love that word. What's your favorite word? Oh, I have many. I have many, but I, I don't know. I like things that have hard consonants like pickles. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a a deep word. It's not, but I like, I like the cadence of it. (laughs) I just like the cadence of the hardness of, you know, pickles. Right now too. Uh, You know, I don't know. I'll I'll get back to you on that one. By the time you visit, I'll have better answers. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for being my guest, Allie. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And I will talk to you soon. I will. Namaste. Namaste. All right. Talk to you later. Take care. (laughs) Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our awesome sponsors, New Belgium. One of their beers, Voodoo Ranger IPA, is a favorite here at the Creative Convergence. Voodoo Ranger IPA is perfectly balanced with notes of guava, mango, and pineapple with a delicately bitter finish. For beer news and occasional mediocre advice, follow at Voodoo Ranger on Twitter and Instagram, where you will hear about what's new and where you can find Voodoo Ranger near you. Voodoo Ranger IPA. Drink responsibly. Live rangerously. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us? or a company that would like to advertise with us, shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.